Phil, for the first time in 58 years, Fred Risser is not running for the Wisconsin Senate in District 26, which just so happens to be most of Madison. Wow. For the first time in how many years? 58 years. And he was in the Assembly five years prior to that. He's the longest serving lawmaker in America ever. And he has had some huge victories over the years, particularly on, say, banning smoking indoors. He passed a smoking ban in the Capitol back when everybody still smoked. That's right. And you could smoke outside of the Capitol as long as you were one fathom from the Capitol. That was actually the law. I don't know what a fathom is. It's an old Navy term, which means if you put your hands out, from one side of your hands to the other, if your arms are outstretched, that's a fathom. I had no idea our state capital was in the middle of the ocean. It's not that hard to fathom. Oh, Scott, you have to stop it. I feel like you're punishing me. But Fred Risser, uh, we should have him on the podcast before his term is ended here. We should. One of the gentlemen in the legislature, even though he's very shrewd with the rules when he was Senate president, So not surprisingly, uh, everybody and their brother and their sister want to run for this race. There's seven people running. We interviewed most of them by Zoom call. Yeah, our Zoom calls look like the Brady Bunch opening scene. Yeah, you're Greg. (laughs) Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. Maybe you're Bobby. Anyway, uh, we're going to talk about each candidate today on Center Stage, the Wisconsin State Journal's political podcast from the Sensible Center of Wisconsin Politics. And, hey, Phil, maybe we'll even tip our hand on who we're going to endorse on Sunday. Oh, maybe. I'm Scott Milford. I'm the editorial page editor for the Wisconsin State Journal. And I'm Phil Hands. I'm the editorial cartoonist for the Wisconsin State Journal. We are half of the Wisconsin State Journal editorial board. The more endorsing half. Phil. So uh, we've got seven candidates. Why don't we go through them in alpha? Hey, Scott, I got an idea. How about we go by age? Ooh, age. That's a good idea. But then you got to say, do you start by the youngest or the oldest? I was thinking youngest. There's a couple of very young candidates in here to talk about. Okay, I don't know who's the youngest. There's two that are just got out of college. Uh, let's start with Aisha Moe. Recent UW-Madison graduate, she told us that she actually went to the state capitol and told Fred Risser she was going to run against him. This was before he decided he was going to retire. She decided to get in this race before it was a a vacant seat. She jumped right in. I got to hand it to her for that. She's a young woman of color. She's a Muslim. She noted that climate change is a big concern to her. And I think uh, young people talking about climate change has a little more oomph to it Uh, than older people talking about climate change because they actually have to live with the ramifications, unlike me and Fred Risser. Yeah, unlike you and Fred Risser. I am stuck with your mess, Scott. Well, maybe not me. My kids are stuck with your mess. But Aisha, yeah, she was um, very, you know, she's very progressive, very much in the mold of of a fired-up activist, but also super smart and super passionate. Got to respect her passion and her desire to serve and be involved in politics. It's people like her that are going to end up making the world a better place at some point down the road. I threw my hat in the ring in January when Fred Risser was still in office, had no plan of stepping down. And I met with him and I said, I'm doing this. And he said, I would highly recommend you don't. (laughs) And I thought, I just gotta. This is the race I jumped into because... Four years ago, no one ran against Senator Fred Risser. And it's a seat that's been held by the same person without challenge 
for a while. So I figured this is the perfect opportunity. Quite a while. Yeah. Yeah, this is the perfect opportunity to make a splash. She obviously has a bright future ahead of her. And, you know, if only she were running against Fred Risser, I might actually think about endorsing her just because I think Fred's been in there long enough. No offense, Fred. No offense, Fred. You've had your turn. (laughs) It would have been quite the dynamic of having a young 20-something Muslim woman of color going against... Old Fred Risser, 90-something years old, longest-serving lawmaker in United States history. That would have been an interesting race. I don't think she chased Fred out. I don't think she uh, scared him. You don't think Fred was spooked by that? No. But I think in this race, as impressed as I was with her, uh, I think with so many other candidates in the race that have a lot more life experience, where they've been out of college, worked some jobs. A lot of them have held public office. It just felt like to me that I admire her ambition and I know she's going to do great things. I would prefer if she ran for a local office first before going for state senate. Absolutely, Scott. One thing which really impressed me, and yeah, we asked her what her priorities were, and she, you know, she said, well, I want to do the Green New Deal, and I want to do Medicare for All, and she had all these sort of pie-in-the-sky ideas, and she recognized that. She's like, but with the Republican legislature, I'm going to focus on things that I can actually get done. And she talked about investing in renewable energy, writing some of the, the bad things out of the, the, the statute system, like the fact that abortion is still illegal in the state of Wisconsin. So she was going to take on some actual things that she thought might actually be possible to do in the Senate versus all of her pie-in-the-sky progressive ideals. So that was kind of cool. Yeah, she seemed to have some uh, glimmer of pragmatism there along with her progressiveness and idealism and yeah definitely going good places but she's not getting our endorsement on sunday next up we have 24 year old nada el makashvi she's a recent uw madison grad also political organizer uh was an intern at state capitol she grew up in sudan and um has endorsements from the madison teachers union so that's a significant endorsement in madison and she's raised uh more money than anybody other than uh, kelda roy's which caught a lot of people's eye she's made quite a bit of news and gotten quite a bit of attention for her spats with uh democratic senator tim carpenter from milwaukee she didn't like that he had co-sponsored a bill to make it a felony to topple the statues on the square there And they traded some emails, and she was offended, and he apologized. Yeah. But he's still on the bill. She seems to be more the activist alternative to some of the more standard Democratic candidates that I would say are John Imes and Kelda Royce. But we'll get to them. Nada did not meet with us. Yeah, and she was the only candidate out of any of these races we're endorsing in in the primary who didn't meet with us, uh, so we don't know as much about her. That reminds me that why are we endorsing in a primary, Phil? Normally we wouldn't endorse in a primary, but uh, this one's different, right? We're endorsing in this primary because there's no Republican running in the general election. And so this this election will be over uh, on August 11th. So this is essentially the general election, barring an unlikely write-in candidacy. And with seven candidates, what's interesting about that is you don't need uh, that bit high of a percentage to win. I think mathematically, you only need in the high teens to win. 
And realistically, as I was asking some of the candidates yesterday what they thought they needed to win, it sounded like some thought they could win in the high 20s. So that's not too bad. If you get one out of four Democrats in a sleepy primary, you could actually win a state Senate seat. That really puts the focus on turnout uh, during a pandemic, which is difficult. I think uh, some of the grassroots newbie candidates like Nada and Aisha are going to have a harder time because you can't go door to door. Normally, uh, in a race like a state Senate race, you could go door to door. You could be out and about every day. And I think that's a lot harder to do in a pandemic because a lot of people don't want to come to their door and talk to somebody because they don't want COVID-19. During this pandemic, a lot of people have already voted because a lot of people are voting by mail. So there's a there's estimates that, a certain, that you know, there's, there's a certain number of ballots who would, people didn't even wait for our endorsement, believe it or not, who've already voted in this race. <laughs> Approximately a third, I think, are already in. I've got my ballot sitting on my kitchen table. I'm waiting to fill that out. Who's the next oldest? Uh, William Davis the third. He was born in 1985. He said. William Davis the third. He's a disability rights advocate. He um, previously ran for lieutenant governor in 2016. His big push is for a $20 an hour minimum wage. At corporations, $15 at small businesses. Hasn't raised any money for his campaign. Didn't do well in the lieutenant governor's race. Probably not much of a factor in this race, but he was an authentic guy. I said to myself, the homeless, they need representation. I know that I could bring new leadership. I could bring uh, urban issues. I could bring uh, diversity issues which we need to have a multicultural representation, which I am 100% for, 120% for, mm-hmm. to represent all colors and not just one in favor one just because of skin color. Interesting guy, very earnest, very passionate, cares a lot about politics, um, but probably not going to be a factor in this race. He's the type of guy that could run for city council or something like that. I think starting out running for lieutenant governor and then backing off to state senate. I mean, those are pretty big seats that Dane County Board there's a there's a there's 37 seats on the Dane County Board but a very nice guy and I'm glad he's involved in democracy and you know he's getting some of his points out there and uh, showing that someone with a neurological disorder can run for public office can advocate on behalf of people with disabilities and things to say from the heart so we're glad he's running all right next is uh kelda royce probably the best known candidate in the race she was in the state assembly from 2009 to 2013 she ran for congress unsuccessfully uh, against mark pocan in 2012 and then she ran for governor actually did better in that race although it was a very crowded race for democratic primary for governor, which Tony Evers won. That was in 2018. In that governor's race, she made international news by breastfeeding one of her campaign ads. Yeah. And I mean, she got some traction in that race. I think she was considered a top tier candidate. Definitely got her name out more than anybody else in this race. I think she's been a conventional and fairly loyal Democrat. She's very progressive. I wouldn't say she's a a moderate Democrat. She's a very progressive Democrat, but she Plays by the party rules. She's obviously ambitious, having sought higher office. She's an attorney. Uh, she's a mom of four. And she started her own business, a real estate company. In the past, we've appreciated that she was on the bill to open up the caucus meetings at the state capitol so that they're open. Uh, we haven't been as excited about her opposition to charter schools. But generally, 
I think she's very knowledgeable and experienced and spirited, and I think would do a good job in this office for Madison. I think Fred Risser is from an era where there was a real sense of dignity and responsibility and public service and a commitment to the institution of the legislature that unfortunately no longer exists. You know, now there's just an incredibly transactional, power-hungry, outcome-driven willingness to really do and say anything. And we see it, of course, with the Republicans who are willing to functionally cheat to win. They've cheated with gerrymandering. You know, they move the voting voting suppression and rules to their benefit. Uh, they make campaign finance laws that suit them and their, their donors. And there just isn't really a commitment to long-term legitimacy of our political institutions. Um, and it, that's really pernicious. At the same time, I think it's really essential that if you're going to be sitting in this particular Democratic seat at this moment in history, we have got to have someone who is politically active, committed, and willing to use the political energy and volunteerism and donations that are from this district and will export them around the state. We are never, ever going to build a Democratic majority in the legislature if we don't have the person that's sitting in this seat that is willing to get out there, raise money, knock on doors, help recruit great candidates and, and help them win. And of all the candidates in the race, I'm the one that's done that cycle after cycle after cycle for my entire adult life. What's so nice about Calda is, she, you know, before we even ask one of our favorite questions to ask these candidates, which is, you know, the Republicans are probably going to control the Senate, are definitely going to control the Assembly. How can you work with Republicans to get stuff done? Before we even ask that question, she was talking about working with Mark Gundrum on, on issues of relating to innocence projects, people exonerated from prison and stuff like that. You know, strong priorities, like a lot of them agreed on expanding Medicaid, and they think the Republicans are finally going to have to take the Medicaid money from the federal government to help fix the state budget, which is going to be hurt by this pandemic and the recession that it has caused. She has some track record with progressives and Democrats and that she was there uh, for the Act 10 fight on the front lines of that. And uh, some of the things she wants is expanded badger care. She was the head of the uh, advocacy group NARAL, which is a pro-choice organization, and talked about turning values into real results, that that's what she's good at. That's what her track record is. I thought she made a good point, too, about working for the Community Development Authority. She's very well-versed on the issue of affordable housing. And when it comes to issues affecting kids, she's a mom. Right now, with education and the pandemic and how to deal with and, and working moms who are struggling with kids stuck at home, it's, you know, who can't go to school, you know, that could be a powerful voice in the state Senate. That's not listened to right now. And she has a lot of endorsements from fellow lawmakers. That's not surprising because she used to be in there. And she's raised the most money, which doesn't necessarily mean you win, but it does show support and the ability to get your message out even when you can't go knock on doors like she said she did the last time. If she were to win this Senate seat in downtown Madison, basically, one of the safest Senate seats in the, in the state, part of her job is going to be to raise money and and build a democratic party across the state you know which is not something that a lot of people think about but it's something that she talked to us about during her endorsement meeting which maybe i'm not too you know i'm not sure i want my senator doing that 
But it's something that I think she is ready to do and probably why a lot of Democrats like her so much. And it's it's something that Mark Pocan does at the federal level. Mark Pocan has to raise a lot of money, even though he has cakewalk elections every two years, and he doles that money out then to other members who are in difficult positions in other parts of the country. So, yeah, I think she's definitely a team player for the Democrats on that, and I, I don't care much about that, but uh, I think it is a selling point for her to Democrats. Who's next on our list? Amani Latimer Burris. She's been a teacher. She actually started out as a journalist. you got to give her credit for that, right, Phil? Absolutely. She's well-informed. Smart and good-looking like all journalists. <laughs> uh, she hasn't raised much, if any, money. Paul Sogland's endorsed her, former mayor of Madison. I think she's part of that sort of Soglin team. I liked Amani a lot. I felt like the same as with some of the other candidates. I'd feel better if she were running for the state Senate had she been a local official in the past, had she had more experience as a public official. And sometimes I was a little confused on what her priorities were when we were talking to her. Yeah, she's got an interesting backstory and a lot of life experience that that would make her a really strong advocate for people in the Madison area, having dealt with uh, you know financial struggles in 2008 during the financial crisis and fighting with banks over her rights and, and, and things like that. So it's a really interesting backstory, but I think she probably just needs a little more polish to figure out how to get that message across uh, succinctly to, to people. I have seen a lot of yard signs out for her, actually, though. So. She does seem to have that angle down. I mean, I haven't, I haven't seen a lot of yard signs for a lot of the other candidates. You know, we've gone through the revolution. It's called COVID-19. How can we start, as business people, start to creatively think about how to empower small business so that we can actually have Main Street businesses that survive? Because there's a lot of restaurants that are going to get ready to go out of business. I was talking to those guys. I know my friend had a, it was a manufacturing business. She just filed Chapter 11. So... I think that's the reality. Still more candidates, Phil. Next up is John Imes. John is uh, executive director and co-founder of the Wisconsin Environmental Initiative. He's a small businessman. He's owned the Arbor House uh, down on Monroe Street for a long time. Worked for Quad Graphics as one of their environmental people to make sure that they were following the rules. Uh, Sharp guy, likable guy, sincere, reasonable. He even made a glancing reference to the Sensible Center, Phil. So you got to like that. He's on the Shorewood Village board, so he's got a little local government experience. I think the only knock on John is that he's run for assembly twice and lost pretty badly both times. John's a gr- he's a great guy, nice guy, passionate about the environment. He's sort of your prototypical Madison liberal from 20 years ago. White, older liberal guy who, who's passionate about some progressive issues. I'm not sure he's the guy that Madison wants right now. These are chaotic times. So if someone asked me, you know, in in one word, what would you describe your campaign and what really differentiates you? And I said stability. I think I represent stability. You know, there's a lot of concerns out there about COVID, about their livelihoods, about uh, racial injustice, you know, the Mm -hmm. protests. There's a lot of chaos. And I think when... When you look at my background, you look at my body of work, it really represents 
hope, hopefully the sensible center, which you guys are familiar with. But really, it's about stability. There's a few of these candidates that I would be happy if they were in the Senate, and he's one of them. I think he, I do, I think he'd do a fine job. Uh, the final candidate on the ballot is Brian Benford. Uh, he served on the Madison City Council, which is probably what he's best known for. He's a coach at the UW Odyssey Project. That's an organization that helps minority students pursue higher education. Very nice guy. Hasn't raised a lot of money. Probably more progressive than uh, some of the others. This is an incredibly progressive field of candidates. I'm not sure he's the most progressive or even in the top half of progressive candidates in this field. He's more progressive than... Than John Imes, perhaps, and maybe Kel Royce, but who knows? <laughs> he talks about a lot of the things that the others do, universal health care, uh, expanding badge care. He's got an interesting personal uh, narrative where he talks about growing up as a black man in Fort Atkinson, which when he was a young man was even whiter than it is now. I loved this line where he said he can do. he's one of the few people who knows how to do the polka and likes hip-hop. I thought he spent a lot of time talking about how bad things were. I guess I could have used a little more hope from him, uh, that hopey, changey thing. Well, we are in the middle of the worst recession in, uh, in a long time and a global pandemic that's got us all locked in our houses. So, And, and, and racial strife in cities across America. So maybe things are a little bad right now, Scott. And he's uh, made a point of the homelessness problem already being bad. That's something our newspapers focused a lot on and our editorial board has and is only going to get worse and his concern for 10 cities. I'm backtracking a bit, but I thought William Davis talked about that quite a bit and very effectively also. It wasn't directly, he didn't say, Kelda, you are a career politician, but it seemed like in our meeting, we had both of them at the same meeting and it was clear that a lot of these candidates think Kelda's the front runner. Yeah, they're all kind of sniffing at her. Yeah, glancing uh, dings on her, and his seemed to be. Uh, he had that one comment about essentially we've we've got enough middle class women leading Madison. Kelda's reaction to that was that uh, there, there's only seven women in the 33 member state senate. So she's talking about the state senate. He's talking about leadership in Madison. So apples and oranges, but I can understand why Kelda did not like that line. There's a reason why there's all these new diverse informed voices, because we're so sick and tired of being governed by misinformed or indifferent policymakers. And once again, I, I mean no disrespect, but when you look at Dane County, we're very well covered by white middle class women. We And it's taken years to get there, but we got that locked. We're, we're covered on that. So now, as people are digging deeper and they're reaching uh, and, and looking to make a new world that's just and equitable and safe for everybody, I, I, I wonder now if people are willing to give up the power. Are they willing to dive deep and make changes like that? So this race is historic for a lot of reasons, not only in this race, but in all the legislative districts. So I want to bring those thousands of people that I carry in my heart for the last 30 years to this service as your next state senator. I like Brian. I think he, he's an, he seems like an incredibly nice guy and would be kind of one of the guys that might be able to like build bridges and be cordial to people in the, in the, in the Senate in a way that maybe other people can't. I thought he came off as having a lot of wisdom 
Uh, he is the oldest person in this race, even though he's still 30-some years younger than Fred Risser. <laughs> and, and he looks really young, too. One of the fun questions we had is, how are you going to be different than Fred Risser? And he talked about his uh, hip glasses. Well, so who are we endorsing in this race, Phil? This is uh, the first time, as we said, in more than a half century that this office is coming open. Who does the uh, sensible center editorial board members, the pragmatists, the realists, the good guys in the Wisconsin State Journal editorial board, who are we endorsing in this race? Uh, Kelda Royce. <laughs> you don't sound that excited, Phil. I'm not. I don't, I don't win all my fights, you know. So, you know. So I'm the lowest on the totem pole at the, at the State Journal editorial board, being the cartoonist. So what I say doesn't really have a whole lot of weight if everybody else agrees against me. So, so she's not my favorite candidate. I'm voting for Brian Benford, but the State Journal is going to endorse Kelda Royce, and you're, fine, you're, you're welcome to do that. <laughs> yeah, we thought that Kelda knew the most, had the best experience, the most polish on several issues, had some good things that she's going to work for, whether it was health care, expanding Medicaid, particularly uh, the affordable housing crisis in Madison. And I did think, I, I liked how she turned the whole lawyer thing around. Everybody hates lawyers. Oh, yeah, yeah, that was good. And she's the only lawyer in this crew. And she said, you know, it used to be everybody in the legislature was a lawyer. And she said in the state Senate now, there's hardly any left. And she said, you know... Which, which leads to lousy laws being written. Yeah, there's a lot of people that don't understand the law, and that's a problem if you're a lawmaker. I, I liked how she took the perhaps perceived weakness and turned it around. But, you know, she's super sharp, and I know she's something of a political animal, like most politicians are, like most people get elected. you got to play politics to win in politics. Um, but I don't really fault her for being ambitious. I, I, like, I like the drive... Uh, that she has to succeed and get things done. That's fine, Scott. You're, you're welcome to your wrong opinion about everything. Uh, I like Brian, too. I mean, I think when, you know, I think when the editorial board met and talked about this, it really came down to Kelda Roy's or Brian Benford. And the editorial board is going to be endorsing whether our cartoonist likes it or not, uh, Kelda Roy's on Sunday. Uh, well, you know, sometimes you, sometimes you make the easy decision and not the right decision, Scott. That's fine. <laughs> You're not the lowest on the totem pole, Phil. You just you're, you're the you're. Think of it this way: you're the foundation. I'm the foundation of the editorial board. Without you, we all fall over. <laughs> Or go to go.madison.com slash center stage.